Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. My next interview is with Cameron Molneau, uh, and we talk about her new film, Exit Music, something that uh, Variety magazine has called a toughly moving study of a cystic fibrosic patient's final months. Um, it is a thoughtful film. It is an engaging piece. It's heartbreaking. It's touching. It's tragic. It's difficult, but it's also ultimately absolutely uh, brilliant in its uh, existential, philosophical, and it's just, it's life-giving hope. And this last line that, that, that I think Cameron and I do actually get to at some point in our conversation about how, how we are in fact hardwired to live. We're hardwired to live. We're guided by love. I mean, how is that so, I mean, it's just so uh, relevant to, to pretty much everything uh, we do. Um, we talk about trauma and loss, and we talk about uh, this young man who, who is dealing with his impending death, and he knows it. He's 28 years old. His name's Ethan. He's an artist. He's a filmmaker. He's a musician. He's got a wonderful supportive family around him, and we talk about uh, identity, and we talk about living and dying and about uh, basically uh, how how do we deal with life in a more uh, human and um, maybe almost short-term kind of uh, uh, a way. We talk about honesty and authenticity and trust and, 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 and we get into conversations and we've done this before in face-to-face about palliative care as well. And so there's a lot here. Uh, you need to see the film as well. Exit Music is the title and uh, it's coming right up. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and speaking. Face-to-face-live.ca for a slew of other... Does anyone use the word slew anymore? For a lot of other interviews there from Hot Docs and Exit Music. I was at Hot Docs this year, and uh, you're going to be seeing it soon enough, I'm sure. And of course, if you want to support the work I'm doing at Face-to-Face and get behind it, you can do that monthly through patreon.com. Coming right up, Cameron Milneau and her new film, Exit Music. 
Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest here uh, with us today. Cameron Molino is here today to talk uh, about her new film, Exit Music. And I am absolutely thrilled that we were about to step into this conversation. Been looking forward to this one for some time. Cameron, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So you're back home, which I think is like kind of West Coast. So so we're three hours time difference. You're just, I think, coming off hot docks. What does it feel like to be back? Can you give us a little bit of that Torontonian-like buzz maybe that you're still enjoying? For sure, yeah. I'm back in San Francisco. Um, we just had the premiere of Exit Music at Hot Docks. My first time in Toronto, and I have to say... Uh, the nicest people live in Toronto. Everyone is just <laughs> so gracious. And, I mean, it's a huge festival, and you yeah, get is. lost in the whole, you know, mix of it. But um, it felt very, like, homey and welcoming and um, was just an incredible reception for this film. It was our first audience. So so why why the nicest people in Toronto? Because I'm pretty sure Torontonians may not agree with you on that. But it, really, yeah, they may not. They may not. I've, I've heard before Torontonians don't make eye contact. <laughs> well, maybe it has to do with the hot dog uh, staff because right, um, just just such kindness. People people they're huge film lovers, and so right, um, just the people at Hot Dogs were very welcoming. Well, that's uh, that's a pretty good review uh, of of your time up here, and it was your first visit, and so I guess I'm I'm going to say you're probably coming back, for sure. Yeah, amazing. Uh, well, hopefully you're coming back for another film, and that's down the road, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on in the conversation. But tell us about Exit Music. Tell us maybe I don't know. Set set a little tone for us. Certainly, I've got lots of questions for you. It's a it's a challenging film. You know what? I'm gonna you know what? If it's okay with you, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start with a quote from from a variety. Uh, review recently, quote, Exit Music covers the spectrum, and we're going to talk about what that spectrum is. This is lovely, by the way, Cameron, with grace, good humor, and no emotional filter. It's an unabashed tearjerker that earns its salt water through candor rather than undue manipulation, an audience favorite at a hot docs, close quote. Wow, that's, that's, that's out of the park from Variety. What What's your take uh, after several years of being you know, editing, directing, in the middle of it all. Can you can you tell us where we can start as an audience as we listen in? Yeah, so I can talk more about this a little later, but I have been involved in studying death and dying for many years. It was just this strange fascination that I had as a 19-year-old um, kind of moving out into the world and being extremely curious about, you know, what's the meaning of life? Mm. You know, we mm. live and we die and we've got the living thing down, <laughs> but, you know, the whole rite of passage through the end of life is really uh, ignored and scary. And um, so I worked with hospice or volunteered with hospice through um, high school and, or not high school, college, and mm-hmm. had this inkling that I would one day do a film about the end of life. So Exit Music is about a 28-year-old who is an artist and musician, and he was born with an incurable illness called cystic fibrosis. So he's been living under the shadow of a death sentence for his entire life. So the film really picks up with the last year of Ethan's um, life. And I follow him through his 
journey through the dying process. And it's a very hard and emotional Mm. story. And it's a story not just about death, but about the love of family Mm. and the love of uh, parents really trying to honor their son's end of life wishes. Well, and, and, and I think, too, what I got from that is it's, it's I'm so glad you said family because we get this sense from, from him, from Ethan, that he's deeply concerned about mm-hmm. how his parents are perceiving this and how he sees the physical manifestation of their caregiving and how they're reaching out to him and including him and in all that. But he also talks about that, that, that emotional, spiritual, psychological kind of impact as well. Yes, and that was one of the most surprising things to me, filming filming the story. I mean, you go in with like a vision of what you think the story is going to be, and then, of course, it, it changes um, when you're there. And so I was very surprised that in talking with Ethan that he was really holding on mm. and um, holding on because of his parents, his concern for what it his death would mean to them. Yes, yes. So it was really important for me to kind of use that as like a thread through the story. Um, And the story really becomes a story about a father and son. Um, Ethan was taken care of by his father. Um, His father was a stay-at-home dad at the time that Ethan was born. Um, his mother had the health insurance at that time, and so she had to stick with the job. And so he was left alone with his dad, who was this Vietnam veteran who was struggling with PTSD. And he really immersed Ethan into a world of imagination and art and humor. And um, what's really interesting, and I think what makes this film more approachable, is the fact that Ethan is this like witty, uh, cynical guy. He has a very dark sense of humor. So despite (laughs) the pain of watching this heartbreaking story, um, Ethan really is like a human. He's a real person. He's not um, just his I love, speaking of the comedic edge, which is so obviously quite dark, but I'm a a huge Clint Eastwood fan. So his his Clint Eastwood (laughs) hat line, you know, is just, it's heartbreaking. And yet, and yet, uh, uh, just sort of so thoughtful as well. You know, what, what does he say? It's worth at least another six months, just how, how, yeah. how cool this hat looks on me. Yeah, and you know what's so special is when Ethan died, he he um, put the hat in his will to me. So I, oh, wow. I have that hat in my... Oh, that's apartment. crazy. It's, it's really so sweet and oh, I look at man. it every day. I, I bet I bet you do. He said at one point, you know, just to sort of uh, talk a little bit, extend that conversation about the parents and the kids and the kids and the parents, that's sort of the back and the forth, the two-way street, mm-hmm. the circle of the family, I guess you could say. But he, he said at one point that he wanted to help his father reach peace. And, you know, Vietnam War vet, PTSD, didn't his father's father commit suicide as well? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we got, we got a, I mean, could you have picked a more difficult uh, uh, (laughs) subject matter or two to to make a film about, Cameron? (laughs) (laughs) I know. You covered all your bases. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's interesting because what kind of is revealed over the course of the film is, you know, the dad is, you know, Ethan's dying process is stirring up 
his own relationship with mm. trauma and mm. loss from his past and him trying to like navigate that is yep. really, really demanding and challenging. I, you, you mentioned, <clears throat> you mentioned a couple minutes ago that, um, and I think I know exactly what you mean. You know, we've got this, we got the whole living thing, you know, figured out. And I wonder to what degree uh, the uh, exit music kind of, sort of almost contradicts that in a way if if you know what i'm saying like so so for sure the film is about about dying it's about dying well it's about end of life and uh, and i want to talk about the doctor dr mcveigh i believe is her name mm-hmm. and and that yep. whole you know when when is it living when is it dying fascinating question we need to get into some of that but isn't this film too and the i just the, the stop motion animation and all of that the metaphors of all these things uh, isn't it isn't it about living isn't it about being present uh, being with our family, being with our loved ones. I mean, uh, that that's, I mean, like any great doc, it's its really layered and yours is. And by the way, congratulations. <laughs> I should have, right out of the gate, I should have said that. I mean, it's, oh, thank yeah, you. yeah, it's a remarkable, heartwarming, touching, difficult film. I hope that's all okay. But, but I yeah. was, I was blown away on, on so many levels. Um, but yeah, isn't it, isn't it about being present? And, and I, and, yeah, I yeah. I think so. And also, I think <laughs> sickness and illness and having a terminal illness, it's often portrayed in the media or films where people are really identified with their disease, you know. And right. I, and, you know, you kind of lose, like, your, your true essence. Right. Um, and I really wanted to make a film that wasn't about a disease. This is a film about an artist, Um a family who are being guided by love during the most uh, heartbreaking mm. and devastating experience of their life. And Ethan, like the film is sprinkled with um, Ethan's stop motion animation, which is super weird stuff. But, um, <laughs> um, very militaristic. Really, that's for sure. Yeah. Very full of life. Yeah. And then the other thing is, the music, the entire soundtrack of the film is was created by Ethan Which is before so, he died. So amazing. Yeah, he gave me a hard drive of all of his original music that he recorded in his bedroom, um, and I was able to work with a music producer to make it the entire soundtrack of the film. And so, what that does is, when Ethan is getting sicker and sicker, you know, he is losing the the power of his like his essence and personality. But the music uplifts that spirit. So even when, you know, he's going through the dying process, you're you're feeling his energy through his music and his art. What what do you what do you think it was? Oh man, so many questions, and we're just so <laughs> not going to be able to get to get there. I can just so tell. But that that's okay. Yeah. Maybe that's there's there's a part two here. But um, right. Um, you know, just the notion of using stop motion, by the way, animation to me is just such a beautiful metaphor for so so many reasons. And, and I think that's kind of what I meant about this life thing. This, I mean, one of the challenges I face, and my listeners will know, uh, I, I talk often about, I, I have a really, I have a heck of a time staying present. And, you know, I've got a 10 and a 12 year old and, and um, becoming better at it all the time. And the kids are, Spencer and Victoria, helping me to be more present. And if I'm playing the game of life, then for crying out loud, play the game of life. <laughs> you, know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, don't be thinking about what's next or the phone call or whatever it is. And 
that to me is what exit music is really about. I mean, it's obviously about all these other things too, but it's, it's just, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's remarkable how it, how it's so layered. How does, I mean, it comes out a little bit. So Eason's an mm-hmm. artist, uh, his father, love to hear more about the, the imagination side of things. What, what else did Ethan lean on? I mean, you know, he talks about, and it's heartbreaking to hear him talk about his friends and how, you know, he says something to the effect of that, you know, the word he uses too just is so tough that, that he's cumbersome to have, have around. And he feels as if his friends now see him that way. They see the disease. They don't see the person, I suppose, in some respects, or the effects yeah. of the disease, I guess. What what else? I mean, he, lo- he loved, uh, um, I loved his last request too, essentially, Coke and Twizzlers. So, I mean, <laughs> he... Um, he had some things that he found a lot of pleasure in life, and and he and, yeah. he, and he recharged with that. Those was there anything else that you know? I you... think he really he really was living for projects. I mean, when you mm. are when you have such a shortened life, you're living um, from one short term goal to the next. So mm. he was really mm-hmm. just trying to record music and uh, making those last stop action animations. His friends, a lot of them kind of disappeared from the scene. Um, he had a few good friends that still came around for jam sessions. Um, but really, I mean, he, he was a, a lonely guy, you know? And I think my presence allowed him to uh, really feel like he was taking part of something, you know, that he wasn't just dying alone in his house. You know, yeah. he was able to really... Um, open up and share his beauty and creativity, which was really special. Would he have been that same lonely guy with, without the disease? Would he have been a loner and introvert, do you think? I think on some level it's just his nature, but yeah. he had lots of dreams of travel. He wanted mm. to be you know, like touring in a band and uh, just he, he, I mean, he was studying culinary arts in college, but wow. he had to leave college early, so... He had lots of dreams, and that was really difficult. I mean, he says in the film, like, hell yeah, I have regrets. Like, anyone who says, I live life with no regrets is full of shit. Right. Um, yeah, he did, he, did, he did seem to have that whole Seattle grunge thing going on. <laughs> yeah, he probably... I think he could have pulled that off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not afraid of death myself. It's the road getting there, um, he said. That's... Uh, going to be the challenge is that is is that again about him and maybe this is where we can talk a little bit about dr mcveigh and saying you know when Mm -hmm. when are you actually dying when 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 do you say okay i am done this is finished i'm i love i love the fact that he lived from project to project to me that means he was present Mm -hmm. you know that that he was living pretty well and seems to me dying well too as, as challenging and as difficult as yeah. it is. And yeah, and I think what what makes dying so difficult is the fact that we're just extending, med- medical interventions mm. are allowing mm. us to extend life well beyond right. what it was, you know, normal in, you know, 50 years ago or so. And so what that does, and at least for Ethan, he had some control over when to die because he was being kept alive by 24-7 oxygen and a whole slew of medications. Right. 
Um, and at some point, I mean, those things were giving him quality of life. He was able to do those projects. Um, but there's a line that's crossed, which is, you know, Ursula McVeigh, his palliative care doctor, says in the film is, you know, where is it prolonging your life or is it prolonging your dying process? Mm -hmm. You know, he was kind of dying slowly. So that was, he knew that that was kind of going to be the case and that what was so difficult for him. He said he wasn't afraid of death, but the process, the road to get mm -hmm. there. And that, I mean, that speaks to so many things, right? I mean, it speaks to our, I mean, the, the, the communities we live in, our friends, you know, what, what kind of support mechanisms we have around us. His dad at one point, I think, in the film said that, that he was afraid personally, not, not Ethan, but his dad was afraid of, of the unknown and, and didn't know you know, what to tell them, what to, I guess at some points it must have, it must have been very difficult. You, you certainly give us the sense that these, this is a very open family. I mean, how can they not be with all the medications and so on and all the things that they're doing to, to keep their, you know, their son going. But I wonder about those things that maybe they didn't talk about. I, I don't know that there were many, uh, but I wonder what the, what, what is that unknown that his dad, that his father was talking about? Is that like the afterlife? Is that, is that what he was referring to? Like what's next kind of? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's easy um, to kind of talk about hypotheticals, you yep. know, like, yep. oh, um, I'm not afraid of death. Like, it's okay. There's, I'll be reincarnated. Right. You know, it's like you come up with some sort of answer to mm -hmm. quell mm -hmm. the deeper fear of like what is going to happen when we die. So I think that um, Ed felt like you really don't know what it's like to face death and to care for someone who you love who's dying until you're right up against it. And they've been on one level preparing for this their entire life, right. knowing that their yep. son would die young. But it wasn't until it was right at their face that they were being forced to look so deeply into the eyes of death and mortality that he was just, he was, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to be, what to feel, how to console, because it's a scary unknown. Yeah. The, uh, um, did the doctors essentially right out of the gate say that Ethan would be dead in several months, didn't they? Yeah, so then, he just kept living yeah. past the doctor's prognosis from the age of three months on. Three months. I thought it was three months. And so what the, the film, in the film, he is given at some point two weeks to live. Right. And so they're prepared. They're ready. They're geared up, ready to do this. And then he ends up living like six to eight months longer. You know, it's um, the 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 photos. Uh, I mean, I I <laughs> I'm going to be. I called the publicist uh, a couple hours after watching the film, and 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 I said, you know what? Don't ever send me a film like that again. <laughs> and I was I was so teasing. I it's it's pretty rare that uh, and this is uh, just I, maybe it's a commentary more on the type of doc film that I watch. But I, I got to say, I mean. I was sobbing for all the right reasons. How's that? That's that's what I'm trying to do. I know you are, and I think it's it's remarkable that you've done it, and you've just you've mixed the, uh, you know the the uh, it's beautiful that 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 the film is his music and his his own animation and and their their own family footage too, the shots of the school bus and the family photos, and I guess where I'm heading with all this is this one line when he's looking at the photos with his mom and and. Um, 
he said something about I think he was dressed up as Superman and he said I was Superman when I when when I was little and I kind of I mean on reflection afterwards I kind of I mean I think he was he was at the risk of sounding kind of corny I, I I think this guy was Superman the whole way through Oh <laughs> Yeah for sure I mean the 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 what what I mean and and, and tell tell me about you in that sense so so if you agree with that you're there. Mm-hmm. You're filming. You're getting to know this family. You're 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 on the inside. What what are what are the insights you're getting a, a, about some of these things? I mean, these are big questions. This question that Dr. McVeigh asks yeah. about when it, when are you prolonging dying? I mean, didn't she also say that a natural death would have been um, like when two he was decades eight, eight, ago? Eight, yeah, two decades ago, eight years old. Yeah. So, like, I mean, profound ethical questions, and I know the U.S. and you're American. I'm Canadian. We're we're yeah. we're maybe a little farther ahead on that than you guys are. Perhaps. You know, yeah. laws about about lo- these laws around hastening death and so on. I just, yeah, I'm really interested to hear some of your own personal insights that you take away when the camera's off and the editing, and you've and you've left the editing room. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that made what the reason why I think Ethan did this film is because he um, he appreciated that I was so frank with him. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. always beating around the bush, and yeah. friends wouldn't even acknowledge that he was like sick and dying. And so, I, the first time I even met him, I was like, "I know you're dying. It sucks. <laughs> it's going to be hard, and I want to be there for you and do a film that really shows." the world what it's like to face death and especially as a young person um so from the get-go there is just a lot of like transparency and um trust there um but what i kind of realized what got me into this topic originally to do the film was about physician aid and dying because vermont at the time which was across from plattsburgh across the lake from where ethan lived they became the fourth state to legalize physician aid and dying. Hmm. So I thought, oh, let's, let's, I want to do a film about people who are taking advantage of that um, right. and having some sort of autonomy over their end of life. That's when I met Ursula McVeigh. I wrote a letter to the hospital saying this is what I want to do, and she wrote back, and she's like, number one, I have the most incredible person for you to meet, and I hope he will do this film. And number wow. two is you should you should focus the film not on physician aid and dying, but on palliative care Hmm. and the fact that people have rights to kind of have some sort of say in how they, they die through palliative care. I mean, because people have are hooked up to so many machines and, and medicines that palliative care is a means for giving people comfort through the end of life, not just through uh, like, pain medication, but like spiritual care and counseling and helping people prioritize what's important. So that was kind of what I wanted um, this film to portray. I was in a uh, personal conversation with uh, a family just uh, Mm -hmm. maybe this past week and uh, Elizabeth, my wife, and this other woman were talking about, we were talking about this film and I was sort of talking about how you and I were going to be chatting and sort of the overarching theme and message and the line was from this mom, oh yeah, I could could pull the plug in a heartbeat. And it was just, just that, 
sort of that immediacy and we were kind of more like hmm yeah I'm not quite sure we're there yet <laughs> uh, that we'd be you know that willing or that able or that uh, um, that okay with it and as you were just chatting about the the laws and the legalities and some of your conversations with Dr. McFay I just had this thought about uh, you know if it wasn't for electricity if we didn't have an elect you know the, the, the you know so so all of a sudden these ethical questions just are, are completely bound by technology. I mean, it's not that profound of an insight, but it's just, it's, it's, it, it, it's a major factor. Did, did, mm -hmm. did you and Ethan ever get into that in a sense, uh, in, uh, off camera where he would say things kind of like that came up near the end of the film. I'm just, I'm just so done. If it wasn't for the machines, I would have, I would have been gone a long time ago. This all would have been over. Cause he does, he does ask his mom that at one point, which is an incredibly moving scene. Where, yeah, you know, I, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, he asked, he tells his mom, is this, when is this going to be when, over? When is this going to be over, yeah. Yeah, I think what is interesting is, um, like, it is easy to talk about hypotheticals. Like, I could just pull the plug. Yeah. I don't want to suffer. But, and it's really easy to say that, and I think Ethan could have said that five, ten, ten years ago. Sure. But, but it's different when you're actually having to make the decision. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's um, you were kind of hardwired to live. <laughs> That's great. And That's a great line. <laughs> and I think that um, yeah, Ethan didn't want to die. He didn't find closure. That's the other thing he was super annoyed about is when people are like, "Oh, he's just trying to find closure." That's why he's holding on for so long. It's like he didn't find closure. How can you? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. He had to, at some point, feel that the suffering wasn't worth it anymore. He didn't. He he. Can you unpack that? By the way, that could have been the logline for the film. We could make lots of, or you could make lots of money. We're hardwired to live. You should turn that into a T-shirt or something. <laughs> there's a, well, there, I probably heard it from somewhere else. Yeah, there's a campaign but there. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Just made it my own. <laughs> so he didn't find closure in in in. I mean, I don't know how. I remember a philosophy professor of mine who, who had come out of a, a you know, quite a, a Protestant or a Catholic background, so quite religious, a uh, bit of an existentialist later in life, I think had become, you know, an atheist essentially, or at least an mm -hmm. agnostic. And, and he said, you know, for all this talk, for all the philosophy I've done, you know, Socrates said, you know, um, philosophy is a rehearsal for dying. And, and this guy, David, he said, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not okay with death. And, you know, it's, it's really stuck with me. Uh, this, you know, it's just this, this, yeah, where it's, it's going against the grain if, if we are in fact hardwired to live. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and how, uh, how, how can you ever really find closure? Right. That's a really good question. I guess it's, I guess it's different for, for, for everyone. I think that, you know, very much perspective, very much worldview, very, very much the, uh, I suppose the, 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 the community, you know, that, that, that you live in, I, I, I would think. Yeah. And it's just the way we are dying these days is different than 50 right, years ago. Right, right. You know, it's instead of like really sudden deaths, like heart attacks, sure, and sure. accidents, it's these long drawn out terminal illnesses, chronic illnesses. So it's given us an opportunity to have to think about it more. Right. Oh, well, absolutely. Or at least we hope, 
that it's given us. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly given us the opportunity. I'm not convinced that we, we, we do talk about these things very often or very well, and which is precisely why I hope everybody gets to see your film. And I, I, I really do believe your film is going to be something that's looked back on as being quite groundbreaking as far as not only just the conversation, but moving the, 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 the dialogue forward with respect to the ethical, uh, you know, um, conversation and and the and the and the legal implications as well his dad so his dad we're gonna sadly gonna have to wrap up the conversation here soon but his mm-hmm. so his father uh vietnam vet um ptsd uh, and help me out here but at some point he was talking about you know about all the uh how he painted to deal with i think the fear and the anger and the 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 distrust and guilt and and all those ptsd like i suppose um mm-hmm. emotions he said, I think, though, that some of that held all the, the, the good things back as well. Does that make... Yeah. Did, do you remember well, that? Well, you must remember yeah, that part. He, it's kind of a silly question. referring to dealing with PTSD and how he kind of felt locked in himself. Right. Like he wasn't able to fully experience pain and joy and the full right. spectrum of like living that it just kind of really held him back emotionally. Um, and so watching his son die really was kind of stirring up all of those, those feelings again. Yeah. It, it, it made me, it makes me wonder if that that's sort of connected to the, the Ethan, the, the, the closure question around Ethan as well. Right. We're all kind of struggling, I suppose, in our own way to, um, to lean into this hard wiring of, of towards life, but so many things get in the way of that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the the interesting thing is death is happening all the time right. and it's right. touching people's lives all the time. And it's a very private kind of happens behind closed doors, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, vulnerable experience. And then when you come out of it, the community doesn't know how to respond and how to, provide support and so what happens is people like back away and kind of (laughs) abandon you know the people that need the support so what I feel like this film does it's like the Rice family is like holding all of our hands and like bringing us into the experience so we feel like we're there Um, and part of what makes the film feel like that is that the dad who had been filming Ethan his entire youth growing up, Mm. I gave him a camera. And so it kind of goes back and forth between my footage and through Mm -hmm. a father's gaze. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely intimate, and they've given us such a gift to be able to walk us through this experience. It's a huge huge gift. It must have been such a privilege for you to to be a part of it. Very difficult, I would think, at many times. And I would imagine to, again, back to the closure thing, I would think as parents, I mean, I, I I think I'd want to share that with others to say, here's how we dealt with it here. Maybe, maybe someone else can learn from this, right? Maybe, maybe somebody else can make us help make sense of all this. Yeah. And they really were being guided by Ethan. I don't know oh. if they would have chosen to do it themselves, Interesting. but yeah. you know, when they reflect on it, they, yeah, they, they were just, uh, I think they were a little nervous about how people re- would respond. I to bet. Them. I bet. Um, but it's been a r- incredible uh, 
response. Yeah. They, we get little love letters from people who've oh, seen the film, and I amazing. always pass them on to the family. That's amazing. Can we, as we close here, just to turn it on its head, can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the opening? You know, sort of your establishing shot and the uh, shots in the film with Ethan on the, the breathing machine, sitting on his—I think sitting on his bed—and and I yeah. think I don't know if you ask actually ask him a direct question in the film or not, but he talks about. Yeah, it I didn't sad. really ask him the direct question, but the way the film opens is he's sitting quietly on a hospital bed with the machine, kind of blow, blowing air up his nose, and he just says, "Sad." Like, and he asks himself the question, how do you feel about dying? And he's like, I feel sad. And he says it in, like, the most ironic, sarcastic Mm. way, Mm -hmm. which kind of pokes fun at how, you know, other stories about people like him are often told in, like, a very sentimental way. Um, And he's just kind of like, fuck that. Uh, (laughs) um, He's like... I feel sad. He's just poking fun of it. And I think it sets the tone of like dark humor that, that's that's uh, going to move forward through the film. Yeah. It gives us kind of, gives us kind of an insight into him right out of the gate. It almost, mm-hmm. you almost, if you go in and, um, and I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but let's say you have a conservative outlook on end of life or these kinds of issues ethically, you might go, wow, that's, that's pretty, uh, uh, pretty trite way to say that, you know, and, but as right. we, you know, but as you look back after having seen the film, this is a huge insight into, into this, this young Superman, you know? Right. And, and exactly. It's I mean, beautiful. it's, it's yeah. an impossible question oh, to answer. How do you feel it's about ridiculous. dying? It's ridiculous. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it truly, it truly is. Well, listen, I uh, congratulations again, and I've had such a great time chatting and about such a difficult issue. But uh, what, a, what a beautiful, uh, beautiful and tragic film that you've made, and I, I really do hope, Cameron, that everybody gets to see it. I can I ask you quickly what what is next for yeah. you guys? Are you, uh, I guess, pushing this film? Have you got other other ideas in mind on the table now? Yeah, well, uh, we're starting to bring this film out more. Um, we are. Uh, uh, designing kind of a campaign for outreach. Oh, good. Trying to bring this film into communities and healthcare uh, communities, hospitals, that sort of thing. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, it will be on PBS. We're still waiting on our, our broadcast date. Oh, that's amazing. Well, congratulations on it all. We've been talking with uh, Cameron Molino about her new film, Exit Music. Cameron, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a real honor to speak with you. Thank you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.